Do I need to clap? No, that's the beauty of this. So like we're doing this new thing now where like we're seeing this in 240p, but it's recording from both of our sources in 1080p. And then it's also like taking an organic file from your headphones, which I'm pretty pumped on. Sweet. So what happened to Tuck real quick? What happened to Tuck? Is he okay? Tuck is okay. So right before I walk into group, hopefully this will still record well. As I'm getting ready to walk into here, I was like, oh, I should grab my iPad so I can keep up to date. And I have some notes on there. It's in my our bedroom. Walk in there, talk, catch Tuck red-handed in, a, in the trash going after something. I don't know what. It's my wife's trash can that he got into. <clears throat> so I'm waiting for her to text me back to tell me what Tuck has possibly eaten. <laughs> And we'll have to go from there. And then I also kind of hinted a little bit about Tuck getting stoned yesterday. <laughs> Edibles, I'm assuming? No. Let me cue this real quick. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> You're listening to Pitch by Pitch with G.P. Shepler. Perfect. I needed to chew this up a little bit so I could shove it up in my gum. Reminds me of, you know, chewing old big league. Oh, boy. Oh, um, boy. For those who you know, it's almost chewing, been a year sorry, since I quit but... dip. Hard to oh, believe, yeah? but yeah. Nice. I still think about it every day. I'm eating great hygiene right now, by the way, so that's what's going on. But Tuck's okay. Tuck got into something yesterday morning. We think he either ate a roach or ate some of my concentrate and he was stony baloney all day he only got sick once he didn't have any seizures so i was monitoring the whole day but yeah he he almost cost us a thousand dollars just because the vet to be told he's high wow that's uh <laughs> i wish i could tell you that hasn't happened to me before it definitely happened um with posey once in particular that i can remember i was like working i went to my editor's house in watsonville and I left Posey in the car and uh, I just picked up like a compassion bag from Santa Cruz Vets Alliance. She gets into the front seat. She starts like digging away. By the time I get out, she's eaten like 60 milligrams worth of uh, THC cookies. She had a long night. She had a long night. I'm not going to lie. Uh, <laughs> she's a Luckily, lot less willing to steal food now, though. I, I bet. We're, we're kind of yeah. surprised Tuck is stealing or foraging as we call it i call it and been told to call it for service dogs but yeah he usually doesn't do that he's very well trained and i usually stay on top of him from keeping him from doing that but yeah every once in a while he he evidently found some lemon loaf is what my wife says which if that is a favorite of his don't look at me as the weak link for why he gets lemon loaf <laughs> <laughs> well but that kind of love his in- lemon loaf to one of our topics. So first of all, let me welcome everybody. We did a nice cold open to today's show. Welcome back to, I think today's episode is going to be a pitch by pitch episode, but we're going to release it on cap. I am joined today. My name is George Paul Shepler. I am your host, aka Shep, aka GP Shepler, aka that dude. Um, today I am joined by a man known by many names, a man who has at times been called the Shreddy Yeti, a man who has at times been called low-key homeless, a man, a man who has gone through many different, uh, we'll say metamorphoses, like a butterfly throughout his career and his life. But today, today he is called a world champion. I am joined by world champion Joseph D. Jackson. Joe, how are you, dude? Congratulations on your world championship. Holy shit. Thank you. I feel blessed to be a part of a team that had a very competitive surfer that was able to win a world championship and to be a part, an integral part about that. And yeah, it was really fun. It's pretty still surreal, even when random people just like, oh yeah, you're the world champ. I forget about that. The reigning world champion. Yeah, it's kind of fun. It's been fun surfing ever since then. I think Jose is pretty fired up and pumped up and ready to hit his next level in stride. So yeah, it's exciting. 
And we're going to get totally into stories about the world championships. But just to give everybody at home a quick little insight, we're also going to be talking about some new boards that Joe has. Joanna has some very exciting news, which I'll just spill right now. We may or may not have talked about this on the air before, but we are both expecting children in the next five weeks. So we are very excited for (laughs) I'm betting in the next two weeks for mine. I'm just, yeah, I was going to say probably like three to four weeks, two to three, two to four weeks. Um, We're also going to talk a little bit about some new technology that I've picked up because I've recently acquired a new laptop and invested in some new lighting. And, you know, people seem to enjoy the tech talk. We're going to talk a little bit about sports. And at the very, very end, I'm going to nerd out and talk about the release of the new Warhammer three game for total war. Cause I'm a huge nerd, but I'm going to put that at the end. Cause most people won't care, but I really want to get into this world championship and I want to tell the whole story and I want to tell it with you. So I think that it has to start by Joe, can you just really quickly clarify, like what exactly did you guys win in a world championship? What event was it? And who is like the certifying agency? I can do that. Um, One of the things I was going to say is didn't pretty early on, I told you one time that I was going to become a world champion. You're like, yeah, you got a lot of work to do. I'm like, yeah, I agree. It'll take a few yeah, years. Yeah, like, I think it was I'm like the first sure time that... you ever came to Monterey and we trained at CrossFit Monterey and you were like, I'm going to be a world champ. And I was like, cool, close your eyes, balance on your right foot. And you couldn't do it for five seconds. And I was like, uh, it's going to take a while, dude. This is going to take a little bit of time. Yeah, I was also trying to prepare for a different world championship then. Um, some background that some people don't know is I have a big competitive swimming background. I actually got into master swimming in the mid teen 2000s i don't know what that exact term is for that period of time but it was around in there and i actually qualified for nationals for you i swam national qualifying times and went to u.s masters nationals and then uh subsequently because i had good times from there i actually qualified for worlds so you know about seven eight years ago almost now i was training for world championships and Decided to break my and to foot clarify, and that would be under USA Swimming, right? That would that would be FINA World Championships, so F I N A World Championships. It was actually going to be in Montreal. That was 2014, is what that was. So, so that kind of led me into here because of that swimming background, and then me just being in the ocean. Um, now, what I actually won a world championship with was an ISA, and that stands for International Surf Association, and they're kind of the almost Olympic governing body of surfing, kind of like what FINA is for aquatics and a few other large agencies that I can't think of off the top of my head. But we we surfed the Para Surfing World Championships, and Para is, could also be switched out with adaptive. So everyone has different adaptabilities, and there's a lot of different categories within that. Uh, realm and world championships like there are guys that are missing you know part of their leg below the knee there are some people that are completely blind there are some people that are full-on quadriplegics who are out there surfing so it's a wide gamut of different abilities and levels of surfing that were just really cool to see I specifically was a part of a team and there are a few categories where the surfer is allowed to have a coach in the water, I believe is what we call them, what we call ourselves, our coaches, I think, on paper. Um, some of them are for seeing, for the visually impaired. And then there's another category called prone two, which I surf in with Jose. And Jose is considered a prone surfer. He doesn't have the ability to stand up traditionally on two feet like I do. And so with his abilities and adaptabilities, he rides prone. So he rides on his belly or I guess lack of a better term, if you don't know what prone is, it's on your belly. And I am able to assist him getting into the wave and assist him getting out to the waves. Um, for ISA, they allow two people to assist. So there's one person on the inside, another coach on the inside, usually called the catcher. And then the coach on the outside is usually called the pusher. It's kind of simple terms that we use right now. There's no official terms yet. So we're kind of just we'll probably... real quickly for everybody at home, because it's the Winter Olympics right now, just to put a little context here. And I'm not going to take anything away from the catchers, but the difference between the pusher and catcher in terms of their ability to influence the outcome of the event, it's the difference between being everybody else on a bobsled team or being the dude at the very front. 
in terms of the fact that like the catcher's responsibility is to anticipate, and I'm just going to spitball here, Joe, if I'm way off, tell me if I'm wrong. Catcher's responsibility is to anticipate where that rider is going to end up and be there to assist them, turn them around so they can get back out and catch the next wave and transport them to the pusher. Whereas the pusher talk a little bit about like what strategy goes into what you do when you're out there. Well, I, I catch as well, and I have done catching, and I actually won a bronze, bronze medal catching the previous year with Jose. Um, the catcher's job, yeah, is exactly what you said. They're they're almost the break man in a four-man bobsled or three-man bobsled team where you kind of – they're almost in break man. They kind of have to predict what the, what the pusher's going to do and different things like that, but they're not quite – the integral part the pusher has the pusher has a lot of influence into wave selection and heat strategy so a lot of the tactics you see on the world surf league with kelly slater and gabriel medina and nikilo ferreira some of these world champions that john john florence even um, part of their game isn't just getting to their feet and riding part of it's getting onto the wave and there's a lot of strategy that comes into that um I basically have been working with Jose since 2018 and I just teach him what I look for in waves and try to how to predict what wave is going to be the best wave for the highest scoring potential. Really? It's what we go for. We go for the bombs, but there's also just... some bait and switch that happens too out there, right? Yeah. Japan pissed me off this year. Um, they were playing games in the finals. There's a reason they got the place they got. They were trying to basically sit really deep on the peak and come behind the peak and try to catch the wave last minute and almost in a sense of sit, not sit wide where the shoulder actually was, where the majority of the surfers were taken off at. They were kind of sitting on the inside because they had what's called priority. There's a priority system with all the surfers out there that dictates who has first right to, we'll say first right to refusal of a wave or to take a wave. And they had priority, and what they were trying to do was get us on a priority penalty. Basically, if we get in their way of a scoring potential and we get basically block them from scoring more points, that we would get an interference. And depending on how it worked and the intentionality, there's different levels of it, but it could cost us either half or a full score in the heat, which is huge. Um, that happened the other day with Kelly Slater and a different surfer at Sunset Beach. It's happened. And at Oceanside, couple... right? Wasn't there an interference call at Oceanside that ended up being pretty critical? I guess in the semifinals, yeah. We we played this priority card, but that's a different – I was going after a different strategy for that. But, yes, that was – I did – yes, in a way. Um Sorry, I just asked because for the the layman, like when when you first started saying like there's a strategy to surfing, that didn't really click with me because like with snowboarding or skateboarding, you're trying to like land tricks that are consistent in areas that you can consistently hit them, right? Because you don't want to bail. Whereas with surfing, you guys don't get penalized for bailing on a wave, do you? You know, if you don't ride out of it, you don't get as much of a scoring potential out of it. If you ride out of it and are in control, you get maximum scoring potential. So you'll get docked some points. That's a place because this contest, Sunset Beach, the Hurley Pro, just recently happened. And this is notorious for Sunset that you can get taken off your feet. But if you still make the turn and then get blown off your feet, you won't lose as many points if you turn during the criticality part of the wave. And you would lose more points for that. Or if you ride out longer and show that you're in control, complete control, and ride out of it, then you get the highest scoring potential. Um with priority, there's a lot of importance because you don't want to get in someone's scoring potential wave. So this year at Worlds, Japan basically was trying to bait us into it. And I drew them into a wave really deep and then acted like I was going to go to force them to go and send them on a crappier wave. And then I kicked out real hard and got Jose onto probably one of those world championship waves, but yeah, one of the ones that, that counted wave. towards the end. But in Oceanside, what happened is somebody else thought they had priority when, in fact, I knew we had priority. We were on the inside of them in a better spot on the wave to take the shoulder to be able to go longer because they were trying to shoot the peak. We were just trying to go off of the peak. They were on the wave. They were calling us off of it, but that's because they didn't quite understand how the priority worked and understood that 
if we, even though they're on the wave, we can still go because we have priority. So even if there's a non-priority rider on the wave already, we can just burn them in competition if we have priority on them. And they're going to get penalized for that too. So that's what happened in Oceanside. So that's what I mean. Like that's two different extremes of priority uh, examples for well, thank, thank strategy you for, for surfing. Because I can't be the only person that does not get that. <laughs> Didn't understand yeah, that going I, into it. Sometimes I wish I could bring Ryan on. He explains it very eloquently and he understands that part of the competitive surfing. A lot of our surfers that we do coaching with and work with a lot of coaches, that's what they really specifically work on. It's maybe not so much the technique and the turn, which that comes in at times, but it's the strategy of surfing. And yeah, there's a lot to it. A lot to it that I think you may just not booked be... our next guest, Joe. Why don't we do yeah. Ryan? I think he'd be a great one to bring on. I think he's a great coach. I think he's also a great competitor. You could hear about uh, what it's like to be a coach for a visually impaired surfer. But yeah, he'd be one that would be good to talk to. I think they got a silver medal this year at Worlds, two years in a row. By yeah, and between the two of you, like that's that's a lot of perspective and experience. You guys work with a lot of different adaptive riders around the state, and you know, I would be very. I mean, he works with Team Canada. You're part of Team USA. Speaking yeah. of Team USA. What does it mean, like now that the Olympics have officially accepted surfing into the 2028 games, does that mean that parasurfing is automatically adopted or what, what happens now? The, the next step has been reached. It's not that it's automatically ad, adapt, adopted into the Paralympics yet, but we are expecting it to, mainly because with Olympics and Paralympics, if the Olympics offers it and there's a Paralympic equivalent, the Paralympics are supposed to offer it, which there is because of the work with the ISA and a lot of other different countries and organizations like USA Surfing, they've built this ability for that to happen. So yeah, it's pretty, I think it's a pretty big deal. I like telling people I'm on the surfing national team sometimes. It's kind of fun. That's a big deal. <laughs> of course it's a big deal, dude. I mean, first of all, like you have the opportunity to win a medal at the Olympic level, at the Paralympic level, but on a much deeper level, like you get to be a part of the first, potentially the first ever Olympics. Like that's, that's history. You guys win that you become a trivia question in bars for, you know, yes. millennia. Yes, exactly. And that it'd be, it's going to be a very special thing. 2028 is six years away. So we, we got a lot of work and growth to do, but I think Jose has that competitive spirit and wants to keep going and, I'm willing to keep staying healthy and keep trying to finally tune my fitness and ability to allow him to do the maximum he can do. As I've joked for a while that Jose has been keeping me honest and forcing me to get in the gym and doing yoga and walking more just to be able to keep up with him as well as he does in the water, which is fun. Well, you it's look a fun... like a different person compared to the person that you, you that I met when we first met ten almost 10 years ago. I feel like I got hit by a train about three weeks ago because I got sick. But yes, I yeah, definitely you got the vid, right? Yeah, that was a, that was a whole different thing. Um, I have definitely. It seems like my body's always in a state of flux where it's either gaining or losing, getting stronger or weaker. I think I'm in a period where I'm rebuilding and getting stronger. I definitely think about almost two years ago now. I lost a ton of weight trying to clean up my diet and just really fix my gut. It really wasn't any other reason, but just to try to fix my gut. And I got pretty leaned out, pretty skinny, which has its own advantages and disadvantages in the water. And lately I've Namely been working temperature. on <laughs> temperature regulations, very tough on my body. For some reason, my brain injury seems to just not regulate my temperature. Well, even if I'm out of the water, like running around or cycling, I've done a lot of cycling in my life and some uh, marathon running and things like endurance sports kind of stuff. And yeah, it's just, it's a different. <laughs> so overall, like, I mean, how is this, how does winning a world championship and like r real quick, let me just add a little context to what happened in Pismo because we both, I drove down, you guys drove up, we met in Pismo, you guys had a house. Well, you um, showed up like a, a three days late. Yes, you're ah. right. I came three days late. I had to stick around for some stupid okay. medical appointments and get like they a bunch very, of MRIs. 
There are important things, yes. And that's what yeah. I was going to say. Yeah. There are some legit imaging that takes a long time to schedule, and it's hard to schedule because I believe you got For up sure. at 4.30 um, in the morning but to go But definitely, get you know, like I rolled in that morning, and like to see the progression that you guys went through and to see like one thing that I've been really impressed with with prone surfing is how much of an audience it draws. Part of that is because of the size of the support teams. But I think that like when you see a paraplegic surf uh, and you see that stoke and you see that joy, I just think that that has a different level of transcendence. I mean, you and I bump into this at one more wave. It's a lot easier for people to see visible wounds and associate those with with a particular like level of intensity or disability. Um, it it was honestly like I hate to use the word inspirational because it's just not the right word to use in this case. But it was uh, I felt so much hope for the future getting to go to like three or four different adaptive surfing events this past year and like see the youth that's coming into the sport, see the variety that exists in the sport. You know, prone surfing is super exciting. There's a lot of different adaptive surfers out there that are doing some really cool and impressive shit. Like what now let's, let's talk about a couple people in particular. What's the name of the young woman? She's a young girl. She's on team USA. Um, but she's recently been getting featured a lot on like Surfline and stuff. I believe you're talking about Liv. Live, yes, that is correct. She has the She's double congenital be... arm something. I forget the name of it. But basically, yes. she can't, for lack of better terms, you're not watching the video or haven't seen Live. She can't, uh, she basically can't zip up her wetsuits very well because her arms are so small. So if you can imagine how tough it is for her to paddle and get into waves. Well, she also wears paddle assists out there, doesn't she? I don't know if she wears those for competitiveness, but she during actual competition, but I know she will wear basically swim paddles. I think they're a hybrid of speedo or stroke master kind of swim paddles. So I think something that's a little bit larger than a normal hand for her size. And basically they put those on her arms as kind of prosthetics to help her be able to paddle into the waves more easily. Once she's on the wave, she's good, but paddling is definitely yeah, a struggle for her. I think her arms are not even eight to 10 inches long. For people and, to kind and, of have that as a concept. And like she has an absolutely magnetic smile. You know, she's got an electric style once she's on the wave. She's got very aggressive turns. She's got very, I mean, like she's only going to get better and stronger and faster as time goes on, I think. At least that's my perception of it. And when I see young athletes like that that have crossover marketable capabilities, just like Jose has. Um, just like a lot of other adaptive surfers that we've met have that crossover is what like brings your sport into the big money. Like for example, two days or, uh, did you watch the Super Bowl at all, Joe? The what? The Super Bowl? Did you watch uh, the Super Bowl was... at all? No, I don't have a TV, bro. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, Toyota ran a para Olympic para-Olympic and para-surfing promotion, it looked like, during the Olympics or during the Super Bowl, right? When it's like $7 million for 15 seconds. Yeah, and so it was you, like... This was like surfing? Like USA surfing? No, 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 no. It, well, it, it was Toyota working with Team USA para-athletes. Okay, because that, that's why I was asking about surfing or if it was all sports, because yes... no. I mean, you, Team Toyota, which is its own entity within the Toyota brand, but Team Toyota is a big sponsor of the Paralympic athletes, period. They do a lot of Paralympic sports. That is not just surfing, but that's also snowboarding. This is like your traditional Olympic sports and everything. Team Toyota this year came on board with Team USA as a part of our Paralympic surf program to help sponsor us so that's why i was asking in the in the surfing if in the commercial if it was surfing or all the sports but i do know team toyota has been a huge sponsor of the paralympic community and just adaptive sports in general but it's, well, it's cool that they put that out there on the super bowl too that's huge exactly the the most watched event of the year every year um and it got it got prime billing and it kind of made me 
excited. And and by the way, Toyota is able to do that when they have compelling stories, compelling characters that they can put on screen to help sell more cars, obviously. Now, I mean, like, let's yeah. not think that this is altruistic. However, having said that, like, when I was young, skateboarding was not a multi-million or billion dollar a year industry or snowboarding. Now, both industries are adaptive surfing to for it to continue to grow and expand. It's just going to need to have some of those crossover hits. As Jose has appeared on the cover of the health section of the New York Times now, like how for you as his coach slash teammate, how, how does that crossover influence his ability to stay prepared? Cause like, it's the famous line from boxing, right? It's, it's a lot harder to wake up at four in the morning and train when you're sleeping in silk sheets in a mansion. Um, not saying think, Jose's living on silk sheets in a mansion quite yet, but <laughs> I think for Jose, he lives, uh, intentionally and i think one of his goals is to go to the paralympics and win gold so i think that helps keep that fire going um he's gone through ups and downs and i'm not going to say we're going to spend the next six years winning every single competition we go to but definitely we're going to be fighting our way through them for the next you know six eight years and i think there is a a young juniors team that's now starting to come into adulthood. That's going to be really amazing to watch through adaptive surfing live as one of them. I hope to see faith out there more faith rips. She's missing part of one of her arms. I don't remember exactly why, but she just absolutely just rips out there. And just most people don't even know, don't even like put together that she's a parasurfer or parasurfer or adaptive surfer because she goes to so many able body contests and just beats the able bodies so well like she outsurfs me in circles and laughs at me when i go out surfing with her so it's quite and then fun. there's victoria we, from canada right she's really good she's really she's got a great personality to cross over um she, yes sorry, <laughs> sorry. I have like three other people random and names. you just you, I just you derailed me in a you. completely different. Yeah, I don't even know what's happening anymore. I'm sorry. My bad. Well, let me let me put a button on that real quick. I was, with this, the, with this the problem was is the problem was is I was going through a certain junior surf team that I had totally. because there's like six or seven athletes. Like there's Parker. I mean, there's so many different athletes that are in so many different categories. But I think there are a lot of women that can have very successful surf campaigns. Victoria is definitely one of them. She's Team Canada. What threw me off with, with Victoria is she's actually, I believe, already a Paralympic medalist. So she was in like a different category to me. I think she's on a different level. She has surfed so many different adaptive surf categories. I really respect it because I think she started off on like a wave ski or goat boat. I don't know exactly what the official term is. I think we'll call it wave ski. The Australians call it goat boats, and that's why I bring that up case we have some australian listeners and she actually ripped on those things then she got into prone and i think this year she did kneeling in the worlds which is really amazing to see her progression but i, I want to say she has been in the at least the winter olympics possibly of hockey or something like that like a very accomplished I think you athlete that. on her own before adaptive surfing we actually have a, a number of athletes that are like that we have alana blank no not alana i forget her last name i should get on instagram and just look it up she is awesome she is one of the few dual olympic sport medalists meaning she has a summer games medal and a winter games medal and this is without surfing she comes into surfing just as an athlete and really has done some amazing things i mean it's really cool to see the wide variety from the older statesmen like bruno who have been surfing for 40 years of their life and now they're starting to you know, have more fun with just the ability to go surf and basically get paid to go do that and earn a, earn a good living working hard doing that. So it's really cool to see. And yeah, Ryan and I are definitely excited to see the future. And we have a few nonprofits him and I both work with that we work with all kinds of athletes that are in all kinds of different levels and, you know, categories. And we just we really love to see it grow. I think one of the things him and I, Ryan and I actually do complain about is there's not enough mentorship for the younger starting athletes. It seems like once you're about 15 and you are surfing, we can, we can take you and go from there and really 
adapt a lot of athletes from there and mold them into the athletes they'll become where they've been winners. But I think before that, that introduction stuff just quite isn't there yet. And that's where we're hoping to expand. And yeah, I think as it gets more notoriety, more people are going to start coming out. I think we're going to start seeing a lot of Midwestern and East Coast adaptive writers start coming out of the woodworks that have always been there. They just didn't know this existed. So I think we, we could have a really cool, bright future. And the cool thing is, is all of them have such amazing stories that are just so different. That's what I think is cool. It's not just a bunch of combo well see this as an example we're not just a bunch of combat vets sitting there who had been blown up or shot at or whatnot had we have gone through and the rigmarole it's you know a wide variety of people that just lived this with their whole lives because they're born with it or something happened tragic through their life and this is what they've made the best of it with so it's really cool to see it's really amazing Totally. I mean, I think that there were like 23 or 25 different countries represented at world championships this year. And that was even with COVID with restrictions that got a lot tighter over the winter. So very excited to see what happens to the sport. Before we move on from the world championship, I want to ask you one last quick scoring question. Um, There is that popular expression to be the man, you have to beat the man. In the past, the world reigning world champion does seem to have a level of, I don't know, gravitas with the judges do you think that this will make it harder or easier to win contests in 2022 will the expectations be higher for you guys on every single like event they always are yeah especially when you win a world championship um the other gentleman you're talking about he just surfed a vlan the other day which is just mind-blowing to me on the north shore during a heavy swell i mean he rips and i think a lot of that depends on where you're being judged at i don't want to say who's judging you but at least the geographical areas i believe the the judging i don't want to say the judging's different in the mainland of the usa versus hawaii but it is but that's just because the surfing's different and the surf's different and there's a lot of factors to it not just the surfer who had been there for the last 25 years surfing competitively <laughs> so it's it's different it's also we talk a lot about with our athletes learning how to surf what the judges are looking for. We a lot of times Ryan, USA. a lot of times Ryan and I like watching the first heat of the day. So we know what the judges are going to score for that day because the judges have to score basically equally through the whole day. And once we get an idea of what the judges are looking for, or luckily for Ryan and I, with our surfing understanding, we can take any category and know where the judges are going to be at for that day. Um, they usually kind of a little bit different in Hawaii than they are here because it's different judging and the surf is much different. So I think it allow it allows for different levels of criticality and things like that. I think local knowledge plays a big difference in going a lot of places. Uh, part of the reason Jose and I do what we do is, or do as well as we do, is we go and spend time at these places. I literally will watch surf cams for hours on the background. While I'm working, I'll have it on my iPad playing, and I'll just sit there and I'll watch the surf break that we're going to go to for like eight months ahead of time. And I'll literally watch it for eight hours a day, just sit there and watch the ocean. Just surf I want to know I'm what assuming. it's going to do. Yeah, surf line. There's a few other, there's some places that there aren't surf line cameras that I have access to cameras to. Thankfully, the I'm allowed to have it. Like, <laughs> it means you have to have a login, and they know you're watching their certain camera, and they only allow you to have a certain angle of their house, but you can get angles of really good surf spots if you know people and you're kind to them. Wow. What a hookup. Uh, Sounds... Get lucky sometimes. It's not about who, you, not about what you know, it's who you know. <laughs> Old Navy trick I learned very long time ago. It's not about what you know, it's about who you know. Well, and what you can get written in paper. <laughs> I think we did a pretty good job covering the World Championship. Tell me a little bit about these new boards because when we talked earlier today before the, the show, you were like, uh, I don't know if I'm going to be making any expenditures for a while because you just got loaded up with some new new fiber. Oh, like new foam. I Have we talked about my other boards that I've already built? We've we still have those, not done a deep dive on like the board building process, I don't think. Not too much, but I have built a couple boards, so I I do seem to get a steady stream of boards lately. Um, latest batch, there was a San Diego Shaper that I put an order with that I never gave a deposit to, so I never expected a board back from. And Because normally they're like, hey, I'll come back to you. If I need a deposit, I'll tell you. And 
he never asked for one so i just didn't expect to get a board and then randomly i was like hey from a friend of mine he was like hey buddy uh i think your board might actually be ready pretty soon so whenever you're not sick reach out to the guy and so i have one new surfboard built by a san diego shaper coming in and then about a year ago a friend of myself and my landlord for lack of a better lack of better term he's really a good friend of mine so i like using the word landlord on him just to kind of stick him in the ribs a little bit he's a really awesome guy but him and i were talking about splitting the cost of buying a friend of ours surfboard because he has a special surfboard built by a, a san diego shaper that's special that you can't just walk in and order a board from this guy he has to basically offer to build you a board because he's so busy you just and they're also insanely expensive i probably have surfboards i can sell for the cost of used cars that would probably you know get me by for the next five to ten years used cars pre or during pandemic because those are two very different price status at this point (laughs) under five grand but definitely pre-pandemic you know you you would have gotten something pretty sweet if i sold them all the boards at once and but yeah i got so luckily i had permission from my wife she kind of knows that i have like four or five deposits out there to different shapers and in the surfer <laughs> world yeah there are there are surfer shapers that literally you'll take five to ten years to get a surfboard out of but they're just busy and some of them warn you some of them don't but a few of them have warned me so i'm, I'm waiting for the days in the next five years that i just get a call like, hey you're such and such sports done you're gonna come pick it up and i'll be like yes i'll be there tomorrow and it's the weird thing with surfing but luckily my wife is gracious she it's very kind. So usually when they come up, she's good with me getting them. I, I usually do sell boards too. I let go of other boards that I just don't ride well or don't like riding or I can't ride well. You could probably say either one. But yeah, I do. I'm getting a, a brand used one, which I've used a couple times and I really love the board. And then I get a brand new one that didn't really expect, but it's going to have all the bells and whistles and getting it for a pretty good price. So I'm excited, even though I'll probably sell it in a couple of months. <laughs> congratulations dude that's that's got to be exciting i mean it's funny i actually just ordered a new pair of fins a couple days ago because i uh i blew out my van melons dude when i was surfing at it's with Artie the other day have you emailed the the fuck ups to starkey yet no 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 no. it's just the pads not the not the whole thing yeah i just need to re-glue the pads so i'm gonna get myself i I say that because if anyone destroys a set of yuccas, like you actually bake a, break a strap, Starkey wants to know. Starkey wants pictures. I'm not saying he's going to give you new fins. He probably won't. He'll probably tell you fuck off and go buy some. Okay, but he wants to know the pictures and the stories behind broken straps on yuccas because it's just, they don't break. That's yeah. why I um, said that. And I love yuccas. Unfortunately, they're giving me these like big bony spurs on my feet. Um, and I still can. No, I went up, remember? Yeah, I know. I'm like, as it is, they're a little too big for me. I just have weird feet. Um, But yeah, Yeah, uh, I'm going to get myself a pair of MS Vipers, or I ordered myself a pair of MS Vipers, the bright yellow ones with the blue dot, just because they'll stick out well. They'll have a nice contrast. Um, And I like MS Vipers as much as I love yuccas, and I've only worn yuccas for about two years now. Like... I do like switching up my fins every now and then. So, you know, nice little excuse. But for the people listening at home, uh, there are, Joe left, like, I don't know, a small army of fins at my house. And uh, now that, like, we're going to have kids, we're both trying to clear out a little bit of space. So for the listeners of this podcast, I'll start posting some pictures on my story on Instagram at L-E underscore O-R-C-A. Um, and uh, if you want to put in an offer on a pair of fins, let me know. We'll be selling them at very reasonable rates. And what I think we'll do is whatever money we raise from selling these fins, we'll just donate that directly to One More Wave. What do you think, Joe? How's that sound? I was going to say, or just charge them the cost of shipping. Ooh, that's a good idea, too. But let's do a little fundraising one. for One More Wave. It's a good cause. Everybody wants to support your local neighborhood department. Tell me a little bit about these boards you ordered. Like, how long are we talking? How How... Like, how long is there in, anything unique or special? How long in length or how long I've waited? Ha! <laughs> a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. I mean, obviously, you mentioned one um, of these is being made by a super invitation-only shaper. Yeah, that's... So, there's a gentleman named Skip Fry in San Diego. He's a longtime surf legend, amazing surfer, amazing board builder. He's 
basically even the I've type heard that, of him. Yeah, you have to you have to get permission from him to order a board, and if he doesn't like your board order, he won't make it either. It's kind of if he's got his niche and his circle and his little thing, but his boards are amazing to ride. He has a unique style of board that fits my style, and I like riding. They're called big boards or gliders for some people. Basically, it's a like a giant long board that's pulled in almost like a gun, but it doesn't have as much nose and tail rocker, so it really flies really flies almost above the waves, kind of like a pelican does. I think one of the shapers call his gliders pelicans, but the one that is here at the house, a friend of my landlord, Chris, and I, we both have a buddy that ordered a 10-foot egg, which is kind of just the, what him and what Chris and I think is kind of the ultimate San Diego board. It's a big board, but it's not something too big, like 11 or 12 foot that is unwieldy in the surf. You can still definitely weave around people and have a lot of fun, so it's a special board and really we're trying to just keep it in the family. That's why we're, we're telling everybody like, Hey, anytime you want to buy this thing back, we'll happily sell it back to you. This is that's still going to be your board. We're just going to surf the crap out of it and not feel bad about it. <laughs> and that way the other boards in the garage don't make fun of it. Cause that's what we keep telling them is ever all the boards in the foot in the garage are making fun of it. Cause it never gets ridden. <laughs> and anytime it gets ridden, we get in trouble for it. So uh, that's at a some point board before you move out of there, I need to come down there and photograph that, that board garage i need you to photograph my whole like yeah my, probably my quiver would be worth just getting recorded on film and have some fun you know, with drone do some drone stuff with it too but the other board i'm getting is another big board another glider but it's from a, uh, san diego's best shaper he'll tell you that i love the man he's hilarious Stu kinson is a very gifted shaper i will probably say yes he's definitely in the top san diego shapers um very much maybe not in some of the niche realms like skip rye is or some of the other shapers but if you need a board Stu can probably build almost anything if it's a short board competitive little 511 twinser rocket fish thing all the way up to like a mavericks gun uh there's a surfer named jojo roper who rides a lot of Stu kinson's boards and Stu used to work for rusty and a bunch of different san diego shapers so he he has his version of a glider which will be about 10 foot one inch 10 foot one inch and this should be pretty special because he said it says it has all the bells and whistles to clarify what that is, on a surfboard, when I ask for all the bells and whistles, I have a two-tone or an abstract color. I usually ask for Volan glass, which means it has to be cut-lapped, which is an extra step and extra work. Plus, the fabric itself is different and saturates. The color saturates different, so it's more cost involved because more resin and work is involved with it. I also ask for pin lines, which is more work, some certain uh, leash loops and some things, just kind of really customized the board just to be really rad board that I just, you know, why not? Nothing basic about Joe. <laughs> no. And the interesting thing is, it's like these bells and whistles add like two or $300. And someone's like, I don't get why you're going to pay an extra two or $300 for all that stuff. It's like, well, it's because I buy this board and I don't ever have to buy it again. I literally buy once, cry just, once. Yeah. I'll buy it. If I ever kill it, like snap it in half bad enough and I can't repair it to come back perfect. I just have to make me another one. But until then, I just ride that thing until it's beat to death because that's just what you do. It's your surfboards die no matter what, so you might as well have fun beating them to death instead of letting them die on your wall. Yeah, I mean that was actually my thought process when I decided to like invest in buying a new laptop because as much as I have enjoyed the desktop that I built, um, you know, I I am <laughs> I am still a freelance journalist, so I do travel <laughs> to cover stuff, and it's nice to be able to edit on the fly. Um, and get work done. But I actually did a ton of research and like originally was just going to get a basic one of the new MacBook Pros, but ended up upgrading for two reasons. One, because the American economic system is completely weird and you have to take on more debt to raise your credit score at a certain point. And since I would like to get a house at some point in my life, I do need to get my credit score as high as humanly possible. They gotta uh, make so sure you're actually going... gonna pay your bills on time. That's just all they care about. So as long as you have a good track history of that, but yeah, it's kind of yeah. a weird system. Well, I'm at the point where like I only had one line of credit active, and so I had to have multiple lines of credit. So anyway, long story short, ended up going with the M1 Max laptop, 14 inch. It's freaking unreal. Like it, it to go from uh, working on a MacBook Air for so long. And I mean, I loved the PC laptop that I used, which I ended up selling for exactly what I paid for it. So it was like a zero cost to have that laptop for a year and a half. 
and then the desktop, which has been really fun and, and awesome and a great tool, but to like, I don't know. It's, uh, you know, I also recently just invested, I think I invested a total of 600 bucks. I bought like this huge 42 inch, um, Octo box with like a egg crate on. And I'm like pointing at it right now for the people listening. You can go on YouTube because of this new system that we have called Zencaster. We're going to be able to do video and audio for all of our episodes. So you may notice that my video looks particularly crispy. That's because I have a professional light that I can control from my phone. Um, and then I got like a cool like a uh, lantern top for it so I can create columnar light and stuff like that. And yeah, man, I mean, it's uh, it's always scary. I mean, since we have kids right around the corner, it's always scary uh, spending a ton of money. But the great thing about doing like photography and freelance and stuff like that is like if I can sell some services, if I can sell some glamour shots and some headshots and stuff, I can pay the equipment off fairly quickly. Um, plus like you were saying, you can always flip it, you know, there's always the opportunity to take that and then sell it down the road. But for me, I'm very proud of the fact that I got as far as I did on like a $700 camera pack and like a $50 light and a $30 softbox. every now and then as you progress in your professional career, you have to spend money on your equipment. And, uh, let's just say that after months of research, I'm really excited to finally like have all the tools that I need, like audio tools. I hope I sound good. If I don't sound good, the audience should let me know because I spent money on like a focus right so that I have a, a MIDI deck so I have better. Like I would really like in 2022 for us, be it on Pitch by Pitch or Coastal Athlete Program to just have a higher quality of content, have it available both visually and audio only. Right. And then, of course, that next step is just kind of progressing our storytelling because we have access to so many great people. And Joe, you have become so much more comfortable with interviewing people and handling stuff like when we have Ryan on, you're probably going to drive, I would imagine. Right. And I'll just be there for clarification and be the, be well, the fly on the wall. Probably because I know Ryan so well. Yeah, I would probably I'll probably end up driving that one around to, to steer him some certain different ways. But yeah, exactly. And like that's really exciting. You've invested in your equipment over the years. Your audio quality has significantly increased. We no longer have to listen to uh, your beard. <laughs> Hopefully people won't be hearing me breathe anymore. Like little things, you know, and we appreciate the audience for bearing with us through all this. But, you know, I, I, I think as I've progressed through like this professional development thing, and as I continue to do freelance work with the school or with individuals or with with companies and do content creation or or the work that I do for one more wave the one thing that's been super consistent through all of it is uh you hit these periods where like you level up right like you have your work before this moment and after this moment and it definitely feels like I've hit that point now Joe did I lose you cuz your camera has completely frozen Oh no I no. think Joe timed out oh, there you. he is I mean, I wasn't moving and I was looking down and I was muted. So, oh, yeah, no, no, no. It froze on my end. I can still hear you, though, but it's cool because it's still recording on your end. All right. Enough about my tech. Impending fatherhood. What is your biggest fear about becoming a dad? Go. <laughs> uh, I have no clue. I haven't even gotten that far. I guess probably because I haven't had the time to really sit on that or have to think about that because my wife and I have been we've had a very long pregnancy we'll say it that way it's been a very long 14 months process for us so I think for us we're so preoccupied with other things because we've had several trips to the hospital not many people know about to get some monitoring and some things done and it seems like we're always moving and shaking so I I haven't quite gotten there maybe when she gets here I'll, I could tell you what my what my biggest fear will be but I don't even know if I've even gotten to that base yet. Joe's having you? a girl. I'm having a boy, by the way, for clarification at home. Yep. Uh, my biggest fear is the delivery process. I just want my wife to be okay and safe through the whole thing. That's my biggest fear. Um, second only to uh, taking care of. A, so I, it's looking like I'm probably going to step up since I have a much more flexible work schedule and be Mr. Mom. Um, after my wife's maternity leave is up because she has an awesome career and I want to support that. Um, but again, because my schedule is so flexible, it gives me the opportunity to do that. I think I am a little afraid of 
I am like, I am a person who thrives on routine. And I know that babies also thrive on routine. But building that routine, much like when Posey was a puppy, is very difficult and very stressful. And there's not a lot of sleep, but there's a lot of pressure. Um, so I'm definitely like trying to be cognizant. Like I tried to start, uh, I tried to start talk therapy again, just trying to do all these little things. I started going on a prescription medication just to like find a way to be better able to like manage that involuntary response to a situation, no matter how many pressure sources I feel. Um, you know, you and I have done a lot of work on ourselves personally, be it through therapies or medications or retreats or, uh, you know, alternative therapies. We've both done a lot of work and we've come a long way. Um, I think it's just like recognizing, for example, I stopped taking any sleep aids a week ago or two weeks ago. The first week was awful. This past week, I've actually slept better for the last five days and gotten like six to eight hours of sleep. Whereas before I was getting like two to four. Um, and I stopped taking prescription sleep aids. Cause it was like, if the baby cries in the middle of the night and I can't wake up, that's a problem, obviously. So it's, uh, you know, I'm, 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 I'm excited to get started. Obviously I'm freaking terrified of like raising a kid in this world. I mean, Russia's rattling their sabers. China's rattling their sabers. The world's world's on fire, Joe. You know, P- people are protesting in Canada. People are protesting in the U.S. Governors are, my are imposing rules and, regist- rules and regulations on people and then life. going to the Super Bowl and like just completely ignoring those rules. It's just everything about this whole thing has, has gotten so crazy. And like, I think that part's scary too. Like, for example, we were told that um, we should plan to be in the hospital for at least two days after the delivery and that we can't have any visitors. And it's like, fuck, man. Like, you, I'm not going to be around you anyone. have family nearby. Like, for us, that wouldn't be anything. We'd be like, okay, perfect. We like that. For you, you actually guys have decent family around and probably may not. My parents are flying in and yeah. yeah. Well, not just that, but like, dude, being in a hospital for up to like four days, like that's, that's kind of anxiety inducing as well. You know, I just, I just want everyone to be okay. I want you and Sarah Ray and your, your future daughter to be okay. I want my son and my wife and myself to be okay. But, um, I'm, I feel very blessed that we got to go through this pregnancy experience together. <laughs> I'll tell you what, cause it was really yeah. nice to have somebody like Joe to call and be like, Hey man, can we talk about some shit? <laughs> Is this happening to you? Yeah, Shep, this 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 is common. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and much like for you and Sarah Ray, this we, we went through a long road to get here. You know, we we went the IVF route and it's been a really long and arduous process. It's been really hard on my wife. She's had to go through a lot of physical change, physiological change, but uh, you know. I'm pretty excited for you and I to be parents. I'm also really excited to like take our kids in the ocean. I'm excited that like you have Tuck, that we have Posey to be the first dog that our kids are going to grow up with. Like those are awesome dogs to learn from and to, and to have be part of your family. So I just think we're in a very blessed position, dude. Yeah, it's exciting. It's going to be a fun, fun new adventure. And I guess maybe that's why I'm, not as fearful as I'm just like, okay, what's this new venture and routine going to be? Let's just get it figured out, <laughs> but it'll be fun. It's going to be exciting. And yeah, be. I'd agree. Both of our wives have maybe not necessarily walked the same road, but this has been a very long road for the both of us. This isn't something where we just had COVID babies out of nowhere and got lucky. So we definitely had put some hard work in for years before that, even before COVID came around. So yeah, it's going to be exciting and it's going to be fun. And yeah, I hope for the best for everyone. And I know it will go smoothly and we'll get it figured out. Quick little sports date for everybody up out oh. there. Uh, what, what's up? I had some questions though. Sorry. It, it's related yeah, up, to go sports ahead, go actually. Ahead. Didn't you have some articles come out recently? I mean, you've been. I did. And they're sports related. Somewhat, yeah. I had a couple the... sports like a contest, you know, surf contests at least. Yeah, I had the legend of Peg Leg McGillick. McGillison, McGillicuddy. I can never remember. I don't know. It's an alleged story about somebody who may or may not actually exist. Um, that released on OAF Nation. That was a really fun one. I'm going to actually do an audio recording of that one to release on the podcast. 
And then I had a, a big feature come out in Santa Cruz Waves this month. So it'll be on store or on shelves in Santa Cruz County for the month of February and March. It's the main feature. Like, I mean, they don't really do a main feature, but it's it's long. It's got a lot of pictures. And when you open it up, it's the main image on the table of contents, which is really exciting. It's a picture of Jose, and it talks about the rise of adaptive surfing. Uh, it's been, for me at least, this is probably the biggest publication regionally I've ever been in, in that like, like the Sentinel is big and all the newspapers and stuff like that. And OAF is obviously big, but like, I cannot go to a store in Santa Cruz County for the next five to seven weeks without like seeing somebody reading my story or seeing somebody holding the magazine that has like eight pages of my work in it. And it's really, it's really cool, man. I'm not going to lie. It feels really good to finally break through. And, and uh, I have now completed the infinity gauntlet. I've appeared in Paharonian, growing up Santa Cruz, Aptos, SoCal times, Watsonville times, Santa Cruz Sentinel. And and also aren't you, aren't you still doing stuff with the school, like with actual athletics and sports and you're still doing a bunch of sports stuff outside of surfing too. Hey man, you know, baby on the way, got to pay the bills. So I continue to maintain my relationship with the college. It's, it's, it's great. I love working with the kids. This, this most, this most recent round of headshots, some of the girls brought props, which was like, I saw that really fun. Yeah. Um, and you know, I left at the right time because it's been really hard to be a student athlete. It's been really hard to work for the state for the last year. Um, and, and as much as I miss the day-to-day interaction with the kids, like t- today, for example, if I have time, baseball's locked out. So I'll just might drive over and watch a baseball game for free and hang out outside. Posey loves it because she works for half of it. And then I let her get some loving towards the back end. But like, yeah, man. I mean, it, it, just trying to stay as busy as I can. And starting next month, I'm going to be doing some some like more uh, people photography stuff. So if anyone out there ever needs any pictures of anything, you just let me know and I'll do that for you. I'm a I'm a dirty whore when it comes to that. Um, what about you, Joe? You got any big projects coming out in the next couple of weeks? Is there I mean, you're going to be appearing on Late Night History soon. Isn't that correct? Uh, supposedly that's going to be happening. Yeah, I've been if I didn't get sick, I probably would have already worked with him a little sooner. But yeah, I think Matt is willing to have me on now. I'm hoping to get some good history anecdotes and see what roads we can go walk down and have some fun with. And that's going to be exciting. Um, I guess project wise, there's not too much surf stuff. I'm still working with uh, any which wave. So when that gets closer, I'll kind of talk more about that and some of the board building. It's kind of going to be a, show, a web series about board building for different athletes. Um, some will be para surfing athletes. Um, and then, you know, kind of a cool thing that has officially come about with one more wave is our our surfboard fin with our surf accessory surf, surf fin manufacturer we work with has been approved. So I have a fin design coming out probably around April, May. Well, one more wave will have a big fin come out and that's pretty exciting too. So yeah, just for everyone listening at home real quickly, that is going to be a very limited release. So if you want to get your hands on one of these fins, you have to be quick on the draw. So the day it drops, you got to order it because the odds are it won't be there in a week. Joe, is that fair to say, do you think? It's not a lot that you guys are manufacturing? Or, uh, it's all relative. I don't want to ruin your buzz. <laughs> um, we, we ha- we're going to have a manufacturer. And yes, the original initial run is only going to be 30. So if you want to get on the initial run, then yes, you want to jump on it. After that, we are working with a big manufacturer. So we'll get batches as much as we need them, depending on how popular they are, but I'm not expecting them to outside of one more wave in the San Diego surf community. I'm not expecting them to go crazy big, like in Hawaii or anything, but if you want that first run, yes, you got to get on it. I think there's only going to be 26 fins at first and I'll guarantee you one more wave. Well, it's going to take at least half of those and end up giving them to riders over the next year. So, so just to clarify, this is the, I understand that there's, there are going to be more, but if you want a first edition 
a limited edition. What Joe has basically just told you is there's going to be more coming, but we'll have like 30. And then he low key was like 26. And then he was like, but half of that's going to go to one more wave. So in reality, 14 fins is not a lot of people. We have way more than 14 listeners. So be on there, buy it, let them know in the comments that you're a one more wave supporter, that you you heard about it on the podcast. Uh, I'm I'm really excited because oh. like Joe, at I'm some just, point, I want you to tell us why you chose the fin style that you did and and everything like that. Not today. The but cool thing about this fin, I did want to bring up is all the profit goes to one more wave, so it's really a cool thing. It basically comes right back into the program, so really we can buy more fins for our riders and keep the mission going. So that's the cool part about the fin, I think. Yeah, I'm I'm actually I'm just thinking about it like. We'll have Ryan on. We got to have Nick Betts back on to talk about his documentary series that just wrapped up on Vet TV because that was really cool, right? He is crushing have... the content game. Crushing he the really content is. game right now. It's I'm not pretty just sure he's the creative Vet director TV for too. Vet TV, right? He is, but I mean, he's doing so much work. He's crushing Vet TV. He's everywhere. There's a lot of stuff he's he's getting his hands into. I'm really excited to see him grow, and I'm just stoked for him. Just cheering him on. Yeah, I, I'm. I the sooner he pops to the national consciousness, the better that guy just needs to get more exposure. I would love to have more people watching what he makes. Um, but we'll have Nick, we'll have Ryan, right? I want to reach out to Ben cause Ben is starting to get into adaptive shaping. Um, there ben are Way. just, Oh, Ben way. There's just ben a way. He, he is who I'm working with, with, I think it's like any which wave or any given wave. I'll have to look it up for sure, but he would be great. Him and Sean would be great to have on Sean's who's capturing all the content for that. Sean Evans, yep. waterworks media. I was going to say, we should reach out to him. We've got a whole bunch of surfing related people that we'd like to interview. Um, it's a lot easier for us, for me specifically to record interviews at this point, because all I need to do is get someone to download Chrome. Um, we'll see how this episode comes out right now. Just like to give people a little inside baseball. It looks like my levels are a little low. Joe level Joe's levels are perfect. So once I get into post-production, I'll see how easy it is to put this all together. But theoretically, should make it a lot easier to book guests. Um, is there any other I'm... guests you really want to get on the show? That, like that this in 2022, like we need a couple of goal guests last year. We finally got Leo Jenkins. We need some big guests. We want to try and tie down. Can you think of anybody? Mm. I'll come back to you on that one. I don't know. I, I, I know I, too, I have audience. ideas, but I don't know. I don't know. Well, um, Joe, Lord, I think I that's a question for you. Yeah. What's up, man? We forgot something. What did we forget? We're, we're already this far in. We might as well have a nerd alert. I mean, if they're still All sticking right. around, they obviously want to know this part about this, even though I know nothing about it. And I'm just going to be looking at Instagram when you talk about it. But you can make fun of me in the comments on YouTube for this. It's OK. Everyone else that. can tap out. Yeah, we're going to right now. I'm going to go on a creative assembly rant and I'm going to complain about a company based out of the UK. All right. So Total War is is a genre of video games that have been around since I was in college. It started with Shogun Total War. I am I am an original era Total War guy. Okay? So I've been with this franchise since my college years. It like hit Rome. Rome was like a peak and then it started to crater a little and then Empire was really good and then it started to crater a little and like long story short in the modern era of Total War games whenever they release they are always dog shit. Right. Like there's this new thing where you take pre-orders and then you released a quarter finished game. And my example that I'll give of this is that when Warhammer 2 was released in 2017, it was not scaled. It didn't run well. The frames per second were terrible. It overloaded your graphics processor. It brought up your system operation temperature way too fucking high. Long story short, over time, they increased the unit diversity. They rebalanced the AI. They corrected some of the map issues. But more importantly, they fixed how it was spread across the processing system, right? This is a very minor thing to complain about, but it blows me away that you can charge $60 for a product plus all the downloadable content that you rip out another 70 to 100 bucks out of somebody for per game. I am way too far invested in this game at this point because I bought Warhammer 1 and Warhammer 2 and all of the downloadable content because I'm a huge fucking nerd and I always wanted to play a war game where I could control Lord of the Rings and this is my bootleg way to do it. To release a game set in a demonic hellscape in the Age of Sigmar and to not have blood effects enabled 
to try to get a lower rating is like releasing a porno with censorship on it. Look, I'm sorry. I am going to the realm of the blood god. I am here for the blood, okay? You cannot sell a product and not have, it's called Warhammer. It is a gory, violent, depressing, sad, sadistic game. Preach, and preach. They, they've, oh my God, it's like it's going to go on a fucking Disney channel. Anyway, I know, I know <laughs> I'm not the only person complaining. If you go on YouTube, there are people absolutely losing their shit. I'm not that angry because like Warhammer 2 today is a really good game. It's still not scaled very well in terms of how it like spreads out the assets across the CPU and GPU. Again, nerd alert. But all I'm saying is this. This is the first time I have done a day one launch where like the game came out and I was like, I'm going to allocate three hours. Nerd alert again. I have over 900 hours in Warhammer 2 since its release in 2017. I'm not saying that because I'm proud. <laughs> I'm saying it because I'm owning this part of who I am, okay? I played that game for 15 minutes and I recorded the most angry rant on my computer, which I then erased because if I were to release it on YouTube, I would immediately be banned from the platform. But for everyone listening out there, if any of you are also playing Total War, if you have bought Warhammer 3, pardon me, get at me on Instagram. Let's play a multiplayer battle. Let's see how it holds up. I want to know if you are also frustrated by this barrier system that's been introduced. Also, the asset allocation during siege battles. That's a whole nother thing. But for now, you can't go to the realm of the blood god and not have there be blood in the battlefield. I'm sorry. There's a 60-foot blood fountain in the middle of the map, but there's no blood on the bat. It's, it... I agree with you. I, I will stand <sighs> with you there. There should be blood on the battlefield. That's what happens I, I, in real life. It should be there. It's like when they it's make a rated R movie PG-13, and it's like, well, what, did they just cut a bunch of fucks? It's like, no, 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 no. They cut away from, like, all of the impacts. It just, ah. It, it takes the it marvelification. Takes the it, it sounds like. Yeah, exactly. And I'm an adult, okay? I, I'm willing to pay my $2.99 for the blood. And this is the thing that's the most annoying. In a week or two, they're going to release downloadable content for $2.99, and you'll be able to enable that feature. That's how they get you. All right. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, never mind the fact that like we're in the middle of a global GPU shortage and I'm using a like nine year old graph. Anyway, I'm very happy with my machine. It's great. I love it. It's It's been a great gaming machine. And to the fact that I got an RX 580 for $100 cash weeks before the world decided that like graphics cards were worth four times their normal value, I'm never going to complain about. But. Thank you, Joe, for giving me a chance. Nerd alert for everyone at home. I just had to do this to the creative assembly. Listen, listen to me. You have to start listening to the fans. There is just no reason why I only played modified versions of your games as soon as that's an option. This game just came out, so there's no mods yet. I play overhaul mods on every of your older, every one of your older games because you guys never fix this shit. Let's go get it together, Creative Assembly. I'm watching. The world's watching. Do it for the Warhammer. All right. Thank you, Joe. Nerd alert over. <laughs> we're going to record another episode, hopefully next week. Um, we're going to try and bank at least one or two episodes before the kids get here for obvious reasons. Um, but I keep telling everybody at home that we're going to release more episodes, and we don't. I apologize. Joe and I are very, very busy, obviously. So, Joe, you got anything you want to plug? One more wave.com or are we one M wave.com now? I want to for the next month. Quick. We're plugging one M wave.com. We're migrating over. We're Perfect. migrating into one so website. All the one more wave gear that you need. Any of your meetup stuff that you need to get linked into. It's one M wave.com now. Correct. Stickers, t-shirts, hats, right. you we name it. Some fire stickers coming out. Yep. We got some cool ass, we got some cool ass, uh, sunglasses too. So, you know, there's some cool stuff coming. You guys are going to enjoy it. Put it on your helmet, put it on your car, tell all of your friends. Thank you for listening on behalf of Joe, myself, everybody here at the Coastal Athlete Program, Tuck Posey, you name it, the little ones to be named later. Thank you for listening and we will see you guys next time. You. You. Make sure to follow Chef on social media at L-E underscore O-R-C-A.